0: Welcome to Doctor Who Podcast. Appreciate you all being here. Uh, the usual stuff. Go to Doctor Doctor.tv, Doctor Check out After Dark. Uh, we love the Corolla Faithful over there. Speaking of faithful, I am a faithful follower of Molly McPherson. You can follow her at Molly, M-L-L-Y McPherson, M-C-P-H-E-R-S-O-N. Instagram is at Molly.McPherson. And TikTok at Molly B. McPherson, which is, I mostly run across Molly. YouTube at Molly McPherson. Molly is uh, a PR expert, particularly as it pertains to things like crises and apologies and cancellations. Uh, he, her sort of axiom is don't let a social media crisis turn into a full-blown PR disaster, which is these days pretty difficult. Molly, thank you for joining us.
1: Oh, it's great to be here. Hello, Dr. Drew. I share in my enthusiasm speaking with you as well.
0: Now, before the mics heated up, you said we go way back, and Gary put it put a, turned off all of our mics. That save it for air. So here we go. <laughs> How do we go way back?
1: No, well, we go, I mean, not personally, but in fandom was I was reflecting that I was the mom who would allow my young daughters to watch teen mom. Ah. And we would have all these conversations about you and your, in your tell all um, episodes, which was interesting. And so when I was telling them that I was speaking with you, they immediately remembered that. So I followed you ever since.
0: So interesting. Well, thank you for that, 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 uh, that thing is still going. It's like we're twelve years into this, and uh, it was a very scary proposition. I, when they came to, you know, I was we had done Loveline for twenty years on the radio at that point, and I knew how I, you know, there was no internet, there was no sources of information, and I just knew how adolescents responded to narratives and relatable sources, and then they would listen to my explanations if I was in with these cases, so to speak. Because that's how we that's how we invented LoveLine, which is really HIV and AIDS was really what that was in response to.
1: Well, Uh, yeah. And there's a similarity because you serve as this counselor, which really dovetails into what I do as well. Like, I don't consider myself a crisis communication expert by any means. I comment on it, um, but it's also the counsel of it, because most people that I either work with or I'm watching, they're in there. Oh crap moment, and they need someone to kind of bring them down, and that's how I look at it.
0: Oh my God, yes, Uh, I I want to get into the the weeds on on all that. And so, let me just finish my thought about the Teen Mom. But that was when they came to me with that. I thought, oh, this will impact teen pregnancy. This this will have an effect. And lo and behold, they you can the quarter that Teen Mom started airing teen pregnancy in the United States started declining. Now people can that say that might be an association and blah, 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 not necessarily causative. So they actually did two academic studies where they looked at the amount of viewership of teen mom versus the incidence of pregnancy in those communities and there was an inverse relationship so it was clearly having a, a marked marked impact which was desirable but it was a high wire act when they were 16 it was so scary i felt like they had to be like i had to, i was the, like the caretaker for these these kids and it was really challenging at the beginning
1: yeah you had to be quite nimble in your conversation as well if i re, if oh, i remember yeah. But, oh, yeah. yeah, But I mean, I'm I'm an example of, of one of the reasons why. I mean, not only were we watching it because it was unique television at the time, but certainly the lessons imparted because it started conversation with me and my daughters.
0: Well, and that was that was what I used to say back when we would do Loveline, that that was the highest compliment we could get was that it would generate conversation with parents so they could impart their values and, and sort of explanation and be the source for that child now that they'll hopefully come back to. So, again, yeah. the, you're you're modeling exactly. Exactly what this whole thing was supposed to do so thank you for that <laughs> good, and thank your daughters good. as well yeah so let's get into this world of apologies and pr and all this stuff i may maybe i'll start with um i may start with myself and where i'm at today because it's just odd to me that i'm speaking to you today when i woke up very upset about a bunch of stuff uh you want to dig into it with me well
1: as your counselor yes? i'm dying to hear okay. tell me
0: so i uh Let me give you the whole history. So back in uh, – it must have been December of 2019 or something. I could see the panic that the press was diligently inducing in the American public and I was alarmed that they were seemingly consciously – they were like in a hysteria to try to create a panic in the United States. And I pushed back on that very hard. And I was saying – you know, and at the time, I was saying, look, you're not going to get this thing COVID we're talking about. You're you're more likely to get hit by an asteroid right now. Relax. Everybody calm down. And, And every time I made that comment, I would end it with saying, listen, I've worked around Dr. Fauci since the AIDS epidemic. He is my hero. Let him be your North Star. Just listen to the CDC and we'll be fine. Well, somebody made a montage of all my, hey, don't worry about this, don't worry about this, don't worry about this cut off the listen to the experts and do what they tell you and that became a viral video that got viewed three million times i became a covid denier and a maga nut or something which is i'm a democrat i'm actually independent now i'm just an independent i'm not i'm not associated with certainly the right um and that that went on, and it, it got so bad, and people were in such a hysteria at the time, they started threatening the lives of my children and everything else, and I made an apology that if you find it, you'll probably like it, because I said, look, I I got the infectivity, and, and I tried to assess what were the things I got wrong, and one of the things I did get wrong was the infectivity of this thing and the, uh, the cytokine storm element, which none of us knew about at the time. Mm-hmm. And I said, I got these two things wrong. I apologize. I certainly would not have done so if I'd had this information at my hand. What I'm going to do is I'm going to sign up as a volunteer both in New York and California to serve as a physician volunteer on the front lines in the ICU. Mm-hmm. And I went so far uh, – I, I, and actually – Signed up uh, and I was excited about doing it. I really wanted to go. New York, California ignored me for some reason. So I didn't get into the California system. But in New York, I went all the way through the interview process and they they, – I'm skilled at this stuff. I know how to do these ICU – I I did it for decades and they were like pleased that they had somebody know how to do this stuff and we'll stand by. We'll bring you out and then they never brought me in. So that was the extent of it and then this thing just sort of sat there forever and so for the next three years – I have uh, continued to, you know, state my position and talk about what we know and what we don't know and what the controversies are. I actually did a nightly newscast in Los Angeles about COVID where we talked about how, you know, all the challenges, and all the difficulties and, you know, interviewed people who had, you know, loved ones that died and people, ICU doctors that were dealing with the cytokine story. In, In no way was I denying or I was in the midst of it all. But that never went away. And so today, I've been asked to go speak at a pharmacy convention, and uh, for like in the fall, and a bunch of pharmacists—really loud, really obnoxious, hateful people—got in and said, "How can you, you know, this MAGA denier? How can you possibly, you know, you, what's how far have you fallen in this organization?" And that's what I woke up to this morning.
1: Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So this is a lot of timing. So speaking mm-hmm. of timing. What happened to you happened to be the topic of a podcast that I recorded this morning.
0: Oh, excellent. About,
1: about Scott Adams. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And even Scott Adams, Adams, when you were referring to everything that happened, you used a Dilbert term of loser think. So it's interesting, interesting. you know, that you have this very, you know, somewhat, uh, tangent connection to him. Yeah. Yet both of you, had the same consequence, okay, over a very third rail topic. You know, his, of course, is about racism for people who know. I mean, right now he, he recorded this YouTube video. He feels he was taken out of context. Uh, and, and he's been sum- summarily canceled everywhere, like literally and figuratively canceled. We don't have the Dilbert comic strip anymore. However, you know, both of you had the same thing happen to you in the medium culture which is you were taken out of context. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that context was editing. Like they clipped a portion of what you said and then they cut it off. Now what I think Scott Adams did, that was incorrect. And what you just happened to do where it happened to you is the medium that you choose to use, you know, when you were having these conversation, it probably never occurred to you that you were going to be edited right. and that you would be blasted during the pandemic when we were at, on our edge. And Scott Adams was somewhat similar where he's sitting down in a live stream on YouTube and he's expecting people to understand his context. And what's changed so much is I think you you were more victimized by it, definitely, because well, just, it if you, happened you know, to I,
0: you. I, I know, Scott. Scott did that consciously to make this point, the very point you're making. He actually, Mm -hmm. he actually wanted to sacrifice himself. He said, I'm going to drill into the middle of this. I'm tired of people having these opportunities to, to cancel people by taking things out of context. He sort of characterized it how hoaxes are created. That's sort of how he characterized it. And he said, I'm, I'm willing to sacrifice myself because this must stop. Now, I think he chose the wrong topic and I think he did it in a way that is actually disturbing to me, but he certainly got it done. I was in no way, I was only trying to help. I wasn't looking for cancellation. That's for sure. No,
1: but can I bring to that point though from watching this video? Cause I did see that about it. Like he said, I like to create energy yep. and make these things happen. But what has changed, and part of it is generationally too, you know, it's going to happen to Gen X. It's going to happen to baby boomers is this assumption that if we say it, and we say it on a platform that people are going to understand our context. Yeah. What he was trying to do, he needed to be precision-like, because yes. that's a third rail topic. Right. It was never going to work for him, right. so he was in a position where he had to, to backpedal. And you, in a sense, you know, it happened to you yes. because of how you were truly edited and taken out of context. Yep. And it must be just terrifying. Your reputation is no longer in your control.
0: Right, and, and I did, an, and I did a Molly McPherson apology. I, I felt like I, and I like. Like you say apologize. I fell on my sword as deeply as I could, and uh, and and I'm going to. And, and I don't believe I personally believe that apologies are not just saying it. You must do something to clean up your side of the street. And so yeah. my doing it was I'm going to put my my mouth where my whatever my apology is. I'm going to go volunteer at hospitals and be in the front lines. And I and wish yeah, I had. But,
1: I wish I but, had. But 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 do you feel? That you needed to you you felt like you just needed to apologize for part of it. I mean, not the whole thing because you were taking. I was happy
0: to apologize for the things I got wrong. I'm happy to do that Uh, because there were things I got wrong, and by the way, they were really not even a part of the montage. (laughs) The the, the, the montage was me attacking the panic. I could tell the panic was going to do more harm. Than the or is going to compound the harm of the pandemic, and I was very upset about it. And I, and I got harsh. I, I got harsh too. That's the other thing. The harshness is not humility. Is that's the one thing I really learned in this pandemic. Humility is a virtue, and and COVID taught us that. It's a
1: yes, it did. And you know what? Anyone who goes through a crisis, it absolutely mirrors a personal crisis. Mm. So even though it impacts them professionally, they're reacting personally, Mm. and it is very, very difficult not to one get scared and then immediately reflexively defend yourself, you know, and you, and you, and you want to get angry and you might get forceful on it. Everything you went through and what everyone goes through is totally normal. But that first step it doesn't necessarily have to be an apology. If you have to apologize for something, definitely, but it's all the A's. It's either apology, accountability, atone, Mm. accept responsibility. It's all of those things. It's that the public people who form public opinion just want to know your role and that you understand your role in what happened. And if you accept that, yeah. And then if you accept that, that's a big part of it. And like what you're doing, which is Perfect and a lot of people struggle with this. Is you actually are apologizing for the part that you got wrong because crises, a personal PR crisis, it's complicated. You know, yeah. it's usually a lot of moving parts, yeah. and it's yeah. not just one whole cloth. Uh, and I, I think you're doing, you did the right, you did well, it the and, right and way. And to be
0: fair, I actually wasn't sure I was going to apologize. Uh, my kids were very scared, and yeah. they, and they got on me. They're, they're, you know, they're in uh, you know, the uh, millennials. And they're like, you have to, you must, you must, you must. I said, yeah, I'm happy to. I, I was already contemplating it. I thought, yeah, I'll apologize. If there's some things I got wrong and I'll happily call it out. And so that's what I did. I don't know that I would do it today. I'm not sure i do it now. I, 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 I might – I don't know. I don't know what I would do today because I, I feel like p- apology to some extent is giving the hysteria and, and the excesses power in a way is, that I don't think they deserve.
1: I know, and that's common. It even happens with my private clientele as well as when you empower someone, especially the people who are attacking you. But it honestly, it's a formula that works. I live and die by this formula. Okay. No one can get through it without some accountability. The public will not allow you to do it. Mm. You will stay in that position forever they or, or you'll be completely canceled people just like to feel or see the sword you know that, yeah. that you're toppling over yeah i, I don't mind just,
0: that i when i get yeah, something wrong, I'm, wrong. I'm, I'm happy yeah. to do that i really I, if i didn't get something wrong then i would be i i don't know quite how i would do it even but when i get something wrong i'm, I'm happy to I'm ha- in fact i did another apology to naomi wolf uh, she's a she wrote the feminine mystique. And, and, oh yes, and
1: she, I, I mean you say her name, I remember. Yeah. I mean she she had her old deal too.
0: Well, yeah, she's in shitstorms all the time now too. But she sort of <laughs> yeah. seeks it out a little bit. And, yeah. and um and she made a point about menstrual irregularities and the vaccine. And I was very dismissive. I was like, I, I, I mm, you know, I was like, you can get menstrual irregularities for just about anything. Come on now, let's not, let's not go there. And since then, I've been presented a bunch of data that gives us uh, some very problematic mechanisms and and the data is clear. There are menstrual irregularities happening for women. And so I came to her and I said, I apologize. I never should have been so dismissive. And uh, there are some mechanisms now. Here's what they are. And uh, I really, I should never – humility, again, I should be not dismissive. I should listen and I apologize. And that felt great. I actually brought her in yeah. just so I could apologize to her. Apologies oh. feel good. I, I would feel – I'd walk around feeling guilty like, oh, I was dismissive to Naomi and she had a point. I'd, I'd rather – Call call it out. I I don't understand people's fear of apologies or reluctance to apologize if they are wrong. I I don't understand that.
1: It's a vulnerability, and it depends on where you are professionally too. You know, some people are just allergic to taking to to accepting any fault whatsoever because they don't they don't know what's going to happen to them, so they think they're going to get their way through it. But in this age, it's, it's difficult to do.
0: Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Shopify covers every sales channel from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform. It even lets you sell across social media marketplaces like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. Packed with industry-leading tools ready to ignite your growth, Shopify gives you complete control of your business and your brand without having to learn any new skills or Yeah, design a code. And thanks to 24-7 help and an extensive business course library, Shopify is there to support your success every step of the way. No matter how big you want to grow, Shopify is there to empower you with the confidence and control to revolutionize your business and take it to the next level. Now it's your turn to get serious about selling and try Shopify today. This is possibility powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com slash Drew. It's all lowercase. Shopify.com slash Drew to take your business to the next level today. Shopify. S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash Drew D-R-E-W. And now, of course, so there's this apology of circulating around with me and Naomi Wolf. And now I go down as, oh, you're, you're with her, you're anti-science. It's like, oh, my God. oh, okay.
1: oh yeah. my God. You can't win, right? You
0: can't win. And, and <laughs> I guess that's just true. People are looking for trouble online. They just want to act out this incredible vitriol and negativity. And if you have enough visibility, you, you can't win. I think that's the reality.
1: Yeah. You're always going to, you're always going to get hit. Like even me right now, I'm getting hit by army hammer apologists because a Washington post tech recorder reporter tweeted a uh, TikTok I did about an army hammer PR spin in airmail, a digital, you know, magazine and happened to post it. And now all of these people, you know, are coming for me on Twitter and I could let that eat me up alive, or I could put it in the context of what it is, is they're venting whoever they are. They need to vent it. They need to get it out. But me doing one TikTok on Army Hammer, I can't even begin a long ongoing conversation about right, that. Right. You know, I just have to, you know, you just have to let well, some but, of those. But
0: the problem is that when this stuff resurfaces, it affects your ability to make a living. It affects jobs. And and that's, I said, what I woke up to this morning, people trying to take a work away from me from, from an organization I was really looking forward to speaking to.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, because it was in, well, for instance, it was in your lane, right? Like it was specifically questioning your credential. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I was just filming actually TikTok on this, that there is the old adage, you know, with every crisis, there is an opportunity. So you part of you going through it, you know, taking that accountability, take, you know, accepting what you said was wrong. But if you let people in on that learning curve, Mm. you let people in on what you learned, what you got wrong and what you're going to change. That becomes whole new. I mean, not to use this word, but content that makes an interesting keynote. Okay. I'm going to that keynote. Like you tell that organizer, this is what I, it's my mea culpa and I'm going to do it at your event.
0: That, that's a great idea. I love that. Uh, and then we'll see if it gets me any traction. I, I will – because I because it's a story I have no problem telling. I have no problem with that at all. And and I have a whole thing about how evangelical physicians create harm. Um, the opioid crisis, frontal lobotomies, you name it, when, when there are evangelical physicians pushing an agenda – they go excessive and it you end up with the opioid crisis you end up with panic around covid you end up with all these things that that hurt people
1: you know it's so interesting i hear evangelical movements everywhere i've never really thought about it in the sense of physicians but
0: oh, oh yeah oh no look at the opioid crisis there were like three people that brought that to us it was yeah. the, it was these it was a fellow a nurse and a residency director who originally were setting up Treatment of pain in cancer patients in the 70s and 80s, an extremely important endeavor, extremely. And, and prior to that, we had let cancer patients sort of sit in pain. We, we always had this treatment, but because of the original opioid crisis at the turn of the century, there was fear on the part of physicians to prescribe opioids. And these three professionals took it forward and said, yeah, this is insane. We need to help people who are suffering. We have ways of doing this. Mm-hmm. Then they went from that to nobody in the United States should ever experience any pain. Pain is the fifth vital sign it 's more important than your pulse. They got all the regulatory agencies involved with them, and now it was on and then the drug yeah. companies got behind it, and now it now now we have the opioid crisis
1: yes, okay, yep, the big pharma behind it, yep. certainly
0: yep so um, let me let me just finish up my own disasters. If if and you don't mind, I, I apologize for I, – I didn't know I was going to ha- be in this headspace when I talked to you because I'm literally a fan of your content and I want you to talk about – I'm going to give you a chance to talk more about some of, generally about the stuff that you do. Yeah. But you said something a minute ago that I, I want to sort of push forward which was you're going to get hit and uh, I, I, I had a PR representative maybe five years ago. When I was in the middle of another shitstorm of some type, uh, and I can't remember which one it was. And she goes, you know, in this day and she's proud couched as sort of the Trump era. She goes, you know, in this Trump era, if you're not in a shitstorm, you don't really exist. Like if you're going to exist in the public, there's going to a shitstorm will come.
1: Sounds like someone was giving you a spin to make you feel better.
0: <laughs> well, but it, but she was right, and so whenever I, I it some um, uh, before shitstorms used to be very shocking to me, and like how could they? I I would feel yes. wounded as I'm just trying to help. I'm trying to do good. Now I'm like yeah. I get it. It's part of the landscape. I get it. And, and Yeah, yeah. But but it, I, what bothers me today, and, and this is my last piece of what's on my mind, is these are always very small minorities who are hate-filled individuals They're just by virtue of the things they say. Why do we listen to this small group of people? I, you know, I, 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 let me just frame what I was thinking. I, I interviewed a physician who was escorted out of a board meeting, a hospital board meeting. Did you see that footage of that guy in the white coat? Look for Doctor Latell L a t t e l. He was okay. he was just making a point about some ideas that you know you might consider going forward, and he was escorted out by three very large security guards and was really like kicked to the curb for daring to say that maybe there's some things we're missing here, or maybe there's some early treatments which I don't believe is true, but this was his thing, and. uh And I thought, oh my God, if this had been a skateboard wielding uh, thirty year old screaming at an LA County Board meeting, they would have just—they would not only kept let him there and scream, they would have listened to him. But an old, a seventy year old physician, a senior physician at that facility in a white coat, gets escorted out by three large guards. What are what are we into here? And it feels like that's what Twitter has become. The, The guys with the the skateboards and the anger are the ones that everybody listens to.
1: Oh yeah, that's that's a good point. Yeah. I think it you know, everything revolves at least in my business and how we feel, it's we're brokering trust. Okay. Once we've lost it, that's when you're in the, as you say, the shitstorm. Okay. You just have to determine how much trust has been lost and to whom. Mm. Okay. So what I tell people all the time, I tell this to my clients all the time, again, because you're going through it, right? You yeah. feel it, you're sick to your stomach. Yep. Um, is to remember this. Is the word reasonable. Okay. So, what you are, what your mind and your heart and your gut and your ego is reacting to are the people who hate you. And you said it. That could be a minority. Like the sample size could be so small, but they're the loudest in your head mm-hmm. because you're not listening to the reasonable people. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every, every person too also has their zealot fans that will support them no matter what. I mean, it's great to have those, but those don't really help us because they're not giving a true reflection of what we're dealing with. I
0: get it from a personal psychology standpoint, and I'm actually with you on that. The problem is the employers listen to these guys, and that's what I don't understand.
1: Well, this is true. And then this is part of messaging and response and, and how you regain that trust is when you react, you can feel it inside, you know, you can be angry at those people, but when you're reacting inside, you're speaking to the reasonable people. You have the expectation of the reasonable people and you want them to listen to you. Now, is that necessarily going to work all the time? Not necessarily, but if a 70 year old physician is being let out in a white coat and wearing in the white coat, the optics look horrible, then whatever I'm doing, if I'm part of that hospital or representative, or I'm doing a response, I'm keeping that in mind. That is part of the response is understanding what reasonable, because reasonable people are going to see that image is a really, really bad image. Just like if there's a skateboarder kid who's going off, you can still frame it in a way that a lot of people are going to say, oh, you know, listen to that kid. Even though a lot of these people on Twitter under Elon Musk now, Twitter is so different. Uh. People know that. That's why I know like being attacked on Twitter. It's like it's a whole different platform right now. You just have to put it in perspective.
0: Yeah. Although it sure feels the same for me. Um, You know, my my move has been because it's only like usually three or four people. It's always colleagues. Uh, in this case, this is a pharmacist group. And my yeah. move is I, I reach out to them. I go, let's get on the phone. Because yeah. because I, I first of all, I think collegiality is lost, and that's a huge loss. We have to restore collegiality. And number two – We won't disagree on much. We are we're going to be almost exactly in alignment. I promise. And I've and I've thankfully made contact with a number of physicians. And of course, and and the ones I've I've spoken to, I was uh, we were precisely aligned. Not almost all. We were precisely aligned. Now there are cowards that won't get on the phone with me, and they are fucking cowards. And that's the problem. And they're the ones that continue to make all kinds of noise.
1: Well, and here's your and here's where you're a little bit different, too, because yeah. yours is yours is that personal, professional one, because you're not like a, a celebrity who's spiraling out of control right now. You know, like a, like a Scott Adams, for instance, mm-hmm. like you, know, he, we're talking about a cartoon there. This is your profession. Yeah. This is your passion. Yeah. This is your mission. And so people are questioning your values and yeah. your mission. Yeah. So not only so you're dealing with a personal crisis in a public space. Yeah. So it's kind of a double whammy. So that's why you need a little bit of a different playbook there because you're trying to reclaim the professionalism um, piece of it. But you are doing the right thing. You're okay. trying it.
0: Okay. Well, good. Yes. And and you added to you gave me a nice nice little uh, nugget there with going to the farmers group and saying, I'll, I'll talk about the arc of what happened to me. And we'll, we'll include it in what's going on today, in fact. So that'd be interesting.
1: Yeah. And the other, the, the this is a personal thing too. Sometimes people need a win. Mm. They need to know like, you're right. You're right. I was wrong. Mm. Why don't you let me come in and I'll talk about it? Because again, it comes down to a, a personal ego, whatever it is. Let them win. Let them know they got the best of you, but now you're coming back.
0: Interesting. Yeah. What I what I get a lot more of these days is people apologizing for their craziness back when they were being ridiculous. I get a lot of that. But that's three years later. It doesn't, doesn't do much for me.
1: Yes, that's a whole different apology. I, I do a lot of those back in the day apologies. So yeah. it's all about where you are now and what you've learned. I'm John Glover, Emmy Award winning researcher John Glover, and I'm Marissa Pinson, critically unacclaimed TV writer Marissa Pinson, and we're the hosts of the new podcast On Brand with John and Marissa.
0: Join us every week for an exploration of the world's most interesting and iconic brands like Walmart.
1: Do they still have the old people who say welcome to Walmart?
0: No, nope, they got rid of them. So you just want more old people in the store? I
1: want every staff member to be over 90. And Heinz.
0: Heinz. 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 I say Heinz. <laughs> like I'm a German dictator.
1: And while you learn about these legendary brands, you'll also learn a bit about us. Hey, John, do you still sleep in shoes? <laughs>
0: there's probably i would say probably three times a year i fall asleep in shoes
1: you told me the thing that you should never um, look under a costco chicken
0: well i don't think you should ever look under a chicken (laughs) (laughs) so tune in every wednesday for a brand new episode of on brand with john and marissa
1: available may 24th wherever you get your podcasts see you there
0: So let's talk more about, where Where are you actually?
1: Uh, just north of Boston.
0: Okay. Like Bedford or something? or. Uh...
1: No, not Bedford. No, <laughs> <laughs> I'm north. I, no, I'm even north. I mean, I'm just under an hour north of Boston.
0: Oh, okay. Because uh, I went to school out there. So, so it's Where? Like, I went to Amherst. So Amherst oh, College. did you really?
1: Oh, yeah. you went to Amherst. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I'm teaching at Boston University right now.
0: Oh, that's a drive in, right?
1: Yeah, but it's fine. It's in the city I, I really
0: wanted to go to BU Medical School. I don't know why. I guess because I loved Boston so much and uh, didn't happen. I came out back out here. Um, okay. So how did you get into this? What, what's your sort of background and career in this? Help, help people understand what you've been through to get to this point where you're offering this sort of advice.
1: Uh, It goes back to Boston University. You know, I was the first class to have email, first class to understand, to learn about, you know, the internet. I was, you know, I was interested in news, but I became fascinated by the internet and i knew the internet was going to be the new big medium at the time um i ended up you know do a a military marriage so i moved to washington dc i had two jobs one working with the cruise line industry as their head of their communications i was also working for fema as well right after hurricane katrina oh my yeah so and i i i'm a little forrest gumpish when it comes to communication industry you know going from the Gen X traditional. I was raised on television. I understood the medium of television and radio, both the areas that I used to work in, but watching the internet weave in and out of it. And FEMA taught me such a lesson when everyone resoundingly hated FEMA. It was a joke. It was a cold open on Saturday night live. Uh, And I was a part of that, but I also worked with people who were victims, they had lost everything and they loved FEMA. So mm. I thought there's a disconnect here then there's a way to connect it. And that's just when Twitter happened. Mm. So I went to FEMA and said, what if we created our own video vignettes of people who love us and put it online? And, and then that worked. And that was, I was the architect kind of behind this new social media strategy. And then again, through military marriage, I ended up back in new England and teaching and working on my own, but I've never lost crisis communication work. I'm utterly fascinated by it. And the whole piece of the social media element has been, you know, interesting. And as a mom, as a working mom, I just become a consultant working with people on social media. Now I will say in the last year, since I've entered the TikTok realm, game changer, because so many people use that social media platform in a much, much different way. And more people are falling into these crises. So my... My profession, you know, my business has pivoted a little and has benefited from it because I feel like I'm a counselor helping people, and that's where I am today.
0: No, your your TikToks are really excellent. They're reassuring. They're helpful. I I always look for people to help me make sense of things, uh, one way or the other, and I feel like that's what you're doing. Is that you're counseling? But you know, you sort of. You look at you know somebody's apology, for instance, and just go, "Why this was good? Why it was bad? What what you might ought to do?" It's very when yeah. you have when you have a case you point at. It's very uh, that's how people learn. And that's how you know when you're in medical school, you see cases, 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 and that's what Teen Mom was. It was cases that that's why I knew yes. adolescents would learn. Uh, so thank you for that. And again, I I don't I guess I must have come upon you on TikTok because that's where I watch your stuff. I'm sure I follow you there and uh, they're always good and I, I never feel like i'm not getting something out of it so and i well d- i
1: appreciate that and 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 my whole take on it really is i don't want to be the expert who weighs in on the only way to do something but going back to the word reasonable i want to make a crisis sound reasonable and the response is a good reasonable response where someone has maintained their trust or completely unreasonable and they've lost it and here's why. And I have to be nimble too because I don't want to – I don't want to highlight people. I don't want to make them look bad. I don't want to trash anyone. Right. I just want to teach.
0: Right. I, I noticed that. You're, you're relatively kind to them if, even if they've made a major – they've stepped in something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, – but that one of the things that I, I've noticed uh, in some of the analysis you have is – and it really sort of struck me – we talked a little bit about this a few minutes ago, which is how much difficulty people have just apologizing for something. I, I just, I really jumped out at me with many of your that, that two things. That and I'll let you address both. And the other is, I'm surprised that you that is you have as many followers as you do in the sense that not that your content's not good, but there are so many people interested in this topic. I, I know why I'm interested in it, but that uh, so many other people are is sort of surprising to me. So, t- talk to me about apology first.
1: Well, the apology piece of it, and some of my posts are about this, is a tactic that's often used... Uh, and it could be along those evangelical lines as well, or strongly conservative. We notice this, where they will accuse cancel culture mm. for the reason why they are dealing with their plight, whatever it is. That is one of the worst excuses that anyone it can use, uh, because that's not what the cancel culture, you know, truly is. So I find that fascinating. I too, no one is more surprised by the, how my topic has caught on than the person you're speaking to right now. But what I attributed that to is not me necessarily, but I think partially generationally we're the television generation, you know, I broadcasting is kind of in my bones and the other piece of it is that people like, it's almost like reality television, just like, you know, people want There's schadenfreude, certainly, you know, Mm -hmm. people like to see people fall down, but it falls back on that reasonable. Like, I want someone reasonable to tell me why this crazy thing happened. Yes, That's where I think I'm just relatable in that sense. I'm not there to create anger, you know, and fury in people. I just want to calm it and come at it from a very reasonable
0: approach. That's what I like. I I like the, 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 that's, in fact, that's why I started listening to Scott Adams occasionally, because he was making sense of Trump was so upsetting to me and he, he helped me understand what he was doing. When I understand things, I calm down, you know, and that, well, can
1: we go back to Scott Adams? Really yeah, quick? yeah, of course. Because what is so interesting about Scott Adams? And I had said this on my podcast and forgive me if I'm overlapping what I said earlier, but he really, he comes at it in his mind. He's this he's a self-identified liberal.
0: Yeah. He's oh, yeah. liberal. Oh yeah.
1: He was one of the first people to defend, you know, black lives matter. Yeah. And, and no one, I think, reading the headlines about Scott Scott Adams would ever know that. Yeah, I know. And that's what's so interesting. But again, it's lost in that context. No one's going to sit and watch a 45-minute live stream on YouTube unless they're a fan or they know him personally. That's right. To grab that out. And I think that's a big part of his problem.
0: Yeah. And, and I think he knows that. And I don't know what the plan is. He's up to something. He's, you know, he's a persuasion and a hypnotist. He's a persuasion expert and all this stuff. And he writes oh. books on persuasion. And so this is... He's, you know, n- now he can't publish his book. But he said, what "I he's, say
1: not anymore." It got yeah. canceled. Well,
0: and he said, "What he's doing now is in the book." So I'm sure what he's going to do is self-public a- publish after this whole experience. Whatever. Oh, he's now up to. that's
1: fascinating yeah. to me. See, now, like I told you, like going showing how the sausage is made. Yeah. Okay, show me how you're coming back. And Scott Adams is following his book. That will be fascinating. Yeah,
0: very interesting. And and I think there's also an element of what I'll just characterize as sort of Trump derangement. Is that he was never a supporter of Trump, he was a supporter of his what he called technique in other words he he was explained where his technique came from, which was essentially. Dale Carnegie or something. And that this technique is out there and make he, he, here's why he does this. And because I'm like, why does he doing it? Why is he doing this? What's what is going on? Why does he back? But, you know, and you go, oh, no, here's why he's doing that. Here's why he's doing this. But I don't know that he even supported Trump. I don't know. That's true.
1: I'm it, sure he didn't support yeah, Trump. But yeah. Again, you know, not to keep going back, but he's a great case study. Yeah, OK,
0: yeah,
1: is that pres- former President Trump, what he was able to do and the reason why he was able to do it, you know him from television. We watched it. We watched, it. We watched The Apprentice. But president Trump has a base. He has people who are beyond him, you know, that are just represent him because they're part of that mobilization and that movement. God mm. Adams is trying to do that with he has definitely has his fans. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but he's trying to use the same tactic with a different audience. Yes. He doesn't have quite the mobilization to yes. make that work.
0: And, and the topic he chose to do with I, just, I
1: know, third rail. Uh, third rail. And
0: not only third rail, there there's there's parts of this topic that are real in this country that i'm not sure if if you're not that if you're not african american you can speak to you know what i mean just you can't yeah. and, and yeah. sort of it's like oh this this you we're know, how do you reconcile this but anyway not yeah um, You are the Gen X. What is the future of, yeah, and you predicted the internet. What do you see going forward? What, what is the future of radio and television and the internet? How does that, how does that take form? I, I'm having trouble seeing it.
1: Well, I don't want to be all Al Gore like and say that I predicted the success of the Internet, but I was predicting that it would definitely be a medium that was going to compete with radio and television. And what I find fascinating is just our new generation, the generations coming up, they do not watch television. They do not know what shows are on, what newscasts are on. And I think that's a big change. So now we're going to be a very Internet social media centric uh you know ecosystem of how we get our information out now the benefit to it is there's just going to be information everywhere but as you and i are talking about today what's going to be lost and what people need to learn how to do is understand context like how do we communicate within context right. whatever it is because right. now we're in a world of 3 minutes or less you know it used to be 280 characters but now People don't respond on Twitter anymore because you don't really have to. You can do a quick video on TikTok and make it a video, or you just go to Instagram stories and put it on for 24 hours and it's gone. So that part of the conversation is changing. And here's the other thing that I think is happening. People are getting away with things a lot more now. Okay. The big the big wrongs, the big failings, you're still going to get canceled. But people in this kind of TikTok generation, they'll be called out. And they'll say, yep, and they'll keep plowing through because they have a platform. Yes. If someone has a platform in mobilization, they can kind of get through a lot. And that's what I'm noticing.
0: Yeah, me too. I, I've noticed that also is that that if, you're, if you have a – that's how they get the context because you keep mm. saying what you mean. <laughs> you keep saying yeah. not, not what they said you mean because whatever has gone viral for me, it's interesting. It's never what I said. It's always what somebody said I said. Always, yes, that's always. a good point. Always, it's, it's never my words. It's always, he said, blah, blah, blah. And it's some bastardization of some out of context, something. And oh my God. Do you think there will be TV and radio in the way we know it today?
1: Oh, I mean,
0: not not, a hundred years, but in 20 years.
1: No, but no. Yeah. I I mean, we're definitely an on demand generation right now. We I mean, gone are the days of the appointment viewing unless it's a Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, even watching, you know, all the award shows, it doesn't quite have it's almost like when the slap happened and the pandemic and then you have the will smith slap you know with uh, chris rock it's like people are kind of turned off to these events now and the events are how things are curated online i think we're just becoming a streaming on demand society and to keep up with it you just have to go along with it and your content needs to match that
0: do you worry they're going to kick out tiktok and if they do what would replace it do you think
1: well, you know, there are so many people are saying that TikTok is so dangerous because of China, but I mean, they're, they all operate the same. Okay. Facebook and Twitter, no different, you know, than TikTok right. They all operate the same. I mean, certainly from a creation point of view, you tell people don't put all your eggs in a TikTok basket by, because now that they're limiting it on college campuses and with the federal government, you know, you have that kind of crackdown. Um, but I think there'll always be a next new social media platform, but I do think TikTok not only is here to stay for a long time, but everyone is modeling themselves, you know, after it. Yeah. So and now it's also where where social media has been easy to grow communities. It's been free for a long time and a lot of people have become successful. Now everything is monetized. So that makes it a little bit different, too.
0: One of the things I often wonder about when people are either avoiding an apology or offering an apology is how to navigate legal liability. Yeah, sometimes these things have real consequences. And the attorneys always just tell you just shut up, shut up, shut up. Don't say anything. Yeah. When is that really an issue? or is there are there any generalities we can say about that?
1: Uh, there are some generalities or maybe in give the,
0: a case. The, give me an example, perhaps. Yeah,
1: you know. or some specifics. I'll give you one from 48 hours ago when I was presenting a crisis plan and we were talking about transparency and we were talking about who writes the response. And someone talked about the lawyer. And I said, lawyers are allergic to public responses. And, of course, one of the, the lawyer in the room said, ah, excuse me. Yeah. Um, and lawyers, wh- what I always stand by, lawyers should not be putting pen to paper, writing a statement flat out, they need to be a part of that conversation. And if there's legal vetting involved, definitely. But people know when you are trying to spin or when you're trying to cage a word or, you know, couch it in a certain way where you don't want to accept any liability. And that's where that, that, that um, I don't know where, where that friction lies is the way to get through any type of crisis is you have to show authenticity, transparency, accountability, but legally they don't want you to do that because there could be a liability, you know, that happens. So right. you have to find that. So each case kinda, you know, is different. But also you'll notice it in very public cases, the statements that are written by lawyers, they're they're written in wordsmith tell. in a way. You can tell. Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. don't want to accept any legal liability um, yeah. moving forward. Absolutely. Yeah. And you can also tell when there's usually some type of payoff involved or someone's been told to keep quiet, uh, that you could tell that there's sometimes it's lawyers and fixers are all in the same issue at the, in the same room at the same time. And then things just kind of quietly go away.
0: Can you give an example of that? You have one off the top of here
1: yeah I'll give you one I'll give you one and of course I don't know this I don't know this offhand but thinking back to Ricky Martin mm. you know Ricky Martin was accused of you know sexual uh, assault I don't I don't have it in front of me um, of a family member okay and it brought tremendous risk to his reputation I mean menudo you know, I mean this guy is beloved I love this guy everybody loves this guy um but an accusation like that again like I call them these third rail accusations you do not get through that. We didn't hear from Ricky Martin. And then when we heard from Ricky Martin, we heard from his lawyer and his lawyer, who's also known as a fixer. And then the story was big. And then Ricky Martin made a statement. He posted a video. And so we saw the video response Mm. where he was acknowledging and accepting part of responsibility for it. But not others, you mm. know. It's a lie. People are out to get me, and then it went away. Mm. <laughs> it just went away. So you assume that something happened there. Now I'm not saying that he was guilty. Honestly, we don't know. It very well could have been that he was taken advantage of, that he was exploited very well. But how it was designed, it kind of looked like that. Was that lawyer got involved?
0: Was that Singer, the lawyer?
1: Yes. Yeah. Was it Edward? Is that what I it is? Forget. I
0: forget. Is I think he's died yeah. now. I think he's passed away. But That's- I- since I, a year ago, I think I. Th- okay. I, let's say, Gary's looking it up right now, but he or no.
1: well-known Hollywood fixer. Yeah,
0: yeah. Gary, Gary, what do you got? Marty Singer is yeah. alive. Marty, Marty Singer. Is, okay, still with us. Uh, I, I guess I, I confused conflated him with that um, that journalist uh, that just drove everybody crazy out here. I can't remember her name either now. Uh, it's going to come to me. Anyway, uh, I got in his crosshairs one time. Really? Uh, yeah, because I did a Rolling Stone interview. They spent the day with me. I talked to them about what I was doing. I was interested in what my you know my practice is all about. And, and somehow he got me talking about Tom Cruise. You got it. You got it. You know what I'm talking about Say, Fink. Fink. Her name is Fink. And she I think she just passed away. And that, I think I confused it with singer. Um, how's that showing up, Gary? Think, Nikki Fink. Uh, Nikki um, Fink. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Nikki Fink. Yeah. Yes,
1: of course. Yes. Deadline. Yeah, she Yeah, the car accident. Well, I mean, right? Wasn't that? So, no, was she
0: What happened to her? Wasn't
1: she a drive-by or something? Or?
0: Oh my. He's looking it up still. Well, let me let me tell you I'll okay. tell you my story on Singer. So I'm I'm doing this interview with Rolling Stone and somehow he got me talking about Tom Cruise. I don't even know why or how. What? <laughs> and, and, and and I don't remember talking about it, yet it showed up in the article. And I was talking about Oh gosh, I, I don't I was talking about how people get dragged into things or something. And I said, you know, like Tom Cruise seems like this great in, – in, really, everyone loves him. He's so smart. And he gets into this kind of cult. How does that cult pull him in, this sort of cult thing? Well, using the word cult is what uh, got me in trouble. I was talking about Scientology yes. at the time. And it was yeah. way, way before uh, Leah Remini and all the uh, sort of stuff that people understand about the organization now. And by the way, God bless them if they help people. I have no, I have no quarrels with people that – organizations that help people. Um, it 's the excesses, as usual, that I worry about, and just that statement, a singer came out calling me a mangala and uh, all kinds of crazy, crazy accusations. Um, and that Wait, if,
1: and representing Tom Cruise or Scientology? He was
0: representing, I don't know, it was Cruise or Scientology. It seemed like it was coming from the Cruise area. It's coming oh, from, okay. from Cruise.
1: Well, uh, the irony is that you were talking about getting dragged into a mess as you dragged yourself and Tom Cruise I I into no, a mess. I know, I, know.
0: <laughs> I know. Well, it was really, I was just, I was sort of curious. It's like it's so interesting that he's, he's in, involved with this and how he stayed with it. But anyway, but Gary, what do you got? Nikki Fink. Uh, passed away due to complications of diabetes and a Hospice facility in Florida. Hmm. So
1: okay, now I'm conflating her with a famous publicist in Los Angeles who was in a car who wasn't in a drive by shooting. I, this, is sounding,
0: this is sounding familiar to me. And she'll he'll get it for you. But what what's on your radar right now? What are you thinking about?
1: <laughs> oh, okay. So uh, right well there's a lot right. of things. Of Wait, course here as it you comes. can. Hold on, Sorry, uh Ronnie Chasen.
0: Oh, yeah, Ronnie Chasen. And yeah. There was gunfire involved. I'm still reading about it. Yeah. But yeah, it's yeah. Interesting. Lovely. Okay. We anyway. see
1: how our how our minds work that's so interesting.
0: Last Days, a new podcast exploring the biggest icons in pop culture taken too soon and what led to their untimely deaths. It seemed like he was on the cusp of this sort of demise. The juxtaposition between that and the onstage persona that caught us all off guard. Conspiracy theories, shocking details, and untold heartbreak. Host Jason and Derek unpack the stories behind each star's demise. This wasn't a necessarily ghastly presentation of gory details. It was a media blowback, cues the corner, basically clout chasing. Larger than life, bigger in death. Last Days, available wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Yeah, so right now, I mean, I, as someone who works as an adjunct, which I like doing because I, it's being in a classroom with Gen Z. They're all. It's interesting how they think because they're plotting the future for me. They are our future, you know, creative people, our communicators, our workers out there, and I feel that you know everything is changing so. So rapidly. And as we, you know, just to kind of even bring it full circle, it's like everyone's going to go through something, it feels like. Mm. But in order to really be, uh, you know, have any equity in this world, it seems like you have to be online, right? Mm. And you have to be community or communicating and being a part of it. But you're so vulnerable when you do it. So younger people are just wired to understand their digital natives like they get it. So I think it's just going to be a shift in how we communicate. But those of us who are not digital natives, we're still going to kind of bump and scratch our way through the whole thing. Um, But eventually, I just think social media and just, you know, virtual and all of it is just here to stay.
0: What are you learning about that, Gen Z?
1: Well, that they, well, one thing I learned in the classroom that I just tweeted about that everyone was talking about with sharing it with me that even emojis don't mean what you think they mean. Like if you post a smile emoji, we think it means we're happy. No, it means you're snarking at someone. So it's like everything is upside down, you know, in this new world. Like you really truly do not know how to. And I even have clients like I have clients who are Gen Z. I have clients who work in entertainment, you know, and we're talking about social strategy and what am I putting on stories? And, and this production is happening here and this is filmed here. And I'm thinking, and I have to tell them, I don't understand the language of Gen X or Gen Z humor. I'm just going to tell you that right now. I said, I understand the messaging behind it. Tell me what you want to say. You tell me the content on your own, but you tell me what you want to say. That divide is there. I don't think I'll ever be, you know, that, uh, eloquent and, you know, in communicating that way, but we're there.
0: Give me those four or five A's again. Accountability.
1: Oh, so we have acknowledgement. Acknowledgement. Accountability. Apologize. Atone. Accepting. All the things that kind of come back on you where you are taking and admitting your role. Oh, admitting. Admission. Admission where you're acknowledging your role in something. And and again, it doesn't have to be the whole thing because reasonable people understand context if it's explained in the right way, on the right medium, in the right time frame. So if you can do it in three minutes, you know, on a TikTok or something or in a tweet, then you can get through that. But Wait, it's when the context is lost, yeah. then you're lost. All
0: right, well... It's always my situation, but but I, what you said, you said you don't have to do the whole thing. What did you mean by that?
1: Yeah, meaning, um, for instance, like what, you, like we'll go back to you because I right. know you're still processing this, right? It's I, still I feel winning. better.
0: I got to say, I feel better, and, and yeah, I sort you, of, should, I'm, you I'm, should. And I'm, because... and I'm more in the ex- accepting because um, I, uh, you know, I accept that it just. I, shit happens and you lose jobs. It's just the way it goes now, too. Oh,
1: you know what? That, you know, Drew, I love that. That's part of the mental piece of it. You just got to accept it. You're like, oh, God, just accept what's happening here.
0: I'm literally taking a picture of the words, the five, the six things. Oh, I see. So there we go. Um,
1: (laughs) Yeah, but part of it, like, you know, what you are dealing with, it's not as if you did something whole cloth wrong. Okay. So it's not like you marched up on the stage and punched Chris Rock in the face. Okay. Where you have to whole cloth apologize for the, the whole thing. There was just parts of it. You know, so much of what happened to you was taken out of context. You don't need to apologize that people took a mashup of things that you said and and put that out there. Now, what you have to accept your role in is understanding that this can happen. Uh, Sometimes speaking in areas that now you think back like, oh, I could have said that differently. You know, I it didn't come out exactly how I wanted it to. And then you also had the pandemic. You know, who could predict what was going to happen there? So accept your role in what you did wrong, except also then tell people, acknowledge you got it wrong. I need to learn. And this is what I learned. So my framework is this. I call it the indestructible peer framework. Own it, explain it, promise it. Mm. Own what you did wrong. Just own up to it. The second piece is your context. Explain what you did. And then the third piece is promise to change or make a commitment to do something different. It's just back pocket messaging. You can do it in three minutes. You can do it in a TikTok. You can do it in a phone call. That's where people can have context. You don't want 45 minutes on a YouTube, but you get, and if you do all those three in that order, you can get through it.
0: Really quickly, it's sort of, we're, we're winding towards the end here, but I'm wondering if you feel that Will Smith has still got any opportunity to clean up his mess. You've brought him up a couple of times.
1: <laughs> yeah, not yet, because he's a great example of someone who still is not taking accountability for it. So when he first walked up, you know, hit Chris Rock, went back to his seat, someone, Jada, someone should have walked up to him and said, OK, listen, when you win, because everyone knew he was going to win. The first thing out of your mouth is you have to apologize for what you did, because that was violence on stage. We know the Jada piece. That's context. We get that. You're defending your wife. But I think Will Smith was he was so caught up in the King Richard persona and he had his speech in his head that he was not going to divert from it at all. He Mm -hmm. just was going to stay there. And even afterwards. He didn't do it. So then we have months go by and he sits down for a highly produced, almost Netflix like production of his apology of predetermined questions that people are asking him and he answers and it's edited and he rolls that out. And we still have yet now he's still trying, but that is a case study of how you don't do it right. And now Chris Rock is going on Netflix and now he's filling the void and 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 will Smith is still sidelined
0: sometimes I wonder because I, I don't know him, but I know a lot of people that are kind of like that, and they're really afraid of being seen for who they are uh, yeah. yeah and it's it's not even just vulnerability it it's part i guess it's a, it's a kind of vulnerability it's not the kind of vulnerability the average person feels it's an exposing of of yeah. something that they've spent a lot of time covering.
1: Yes. Uh, you know, uh, you're you're absolutely right. But just think about how powerful that would be if someone went up and said, I lost it. How relatable is that? How many people have lost it or done something stupid? But it's hard to get through. But this is what happens. It it,
0: it opens them to well, why? Why did you lose it so badly? Well, I drank a little bit too much. And my dad used to beat the shit out of me or whatever. I don't know what, you know, yeah, it, yeah, it I opens gotcha. to the whole story. And it's like, uh, I don't know that they want to go there. Which well, that's, they, why I think you they h- that's why
1: you hire people. Yeah,
0: hire Molly nice. McPherson. Here's where you get her. Uh, <laughs> find her on Instagram at Molly.McPherson, TikTok. Mm-hmm. I really strongly recommend the TikTok because even if you're not interested in this topic, which, as Molly has pointed out, it, something happens to everyone now, You really will be entertained by the TikToks. It's at Molly B. McPherson. I wish I could remember how I came upon your stuff, but I was like, whoa, I need to know more. (laughs) When I first saw your TikTok. You were
1: served that fancy algorithm.
0: I I guess I was, but boy, they got it right. Uh, Is there anywhere else I should send people other than MollyMcPherson.com?
1: No, I mean, that's it. I mean, all all my things are interconnected. You know, we're all there. I also had a book um, called Indestructible that's out there as well. I have a weekly podcast, Indestructible PR podcast, but I live and breathe it and I'm learning it every day. And I love case studies. Uh, just like you. So thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to speak with you.
0: I'm sorry I forgot the pod. I've listened to the pod, and it's excellent. So, again, it's as entertaining as the TikTok's just a little longer form, that's all.
1: Yes, exactly. Molly, I
0: really appreciate you doing this. Thank you for Zooming in and coming in and talking to us. And uh, I'm, I'm just so happy you agreed to do it.
1: Oh yeah, no, I was thrilled. It was great meeting you. You as well. And good luck getting through it. I know you will.
0: Maybe I'll put you on speed dial, that's all I'm saying.
1: Okay. All. Sounds good.
0: Thank all you. righty. And enjoy all New right. England. I miss it.
1: All right, thank you. All right, see you. All
0: right, bye. See you all next time. All conversation and information exchanged during the participation in the Dr. Drew podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction. Nothing on these podcasts supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as a physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the podcast or (laughs) drdrew.com. Watch streaming free all month long during Amplify AAPI Voices on Pluto TV. Watch shows like Kim's Convenience with Simu Liu and amazing movies like Meet the Patels and Jason Momoa in Braven. Plus, Pluto TV has hundreds of channels with thousands more movies and TV shows, available on live and on demand. Download Pluto TV on all your favorite devices for free. Pluto TV. Stream now. Pay never.